Hello, and welcome to season two of Bourbon and Tea. Um, this is a podcast where we pour ourselves our drink or favorite item to have during a conversation. Um, we are here to essentially figure out the facts, and then we're going to have a intelligent conversation about it versus just being reacting and yelling at each other with our own set of facts. Um, so I'm your host, Ryan Waltz, and um, I'm here to help you out with mostly a lot of your biochemistry or COVID or infectious disease questions. Um, I have a PhD in biophysics, and I studied uh, the influenza virus during my uh, PhD. And uh, right now I'm a postdoc working on uh, how genetics can actually uh, cause sudden heart failure. So a lot of my specialty is looking at um, survival of diseases based on genetics and stuff like that. Uh, so now one thing we like to do here is we like to recommend some sort of drink or whatever. We're, we're just going to talk about what we're drinking and stuff like that. So um, today I am drinking some 12 year old Glenn Livet. Uh, I haven't drinking this in a while, but it's kind of one of my nostalgic uh, favorites as it is with, you know, our generation. We're all about nostalgia. So it was one of the first scotches that I started to drink and uh, I thought I'd kind of revisit that. Um, today is uh, our first co-host is Sabrina Wally, uh, who is joining us from Connecticut and she has a master's degree in toxicology. Uh, I've known Sabrina for several years um, and she is just such a blast to work with and I'm so glad to have her help on this podcast today because um, today's subject was a little bit out of my field and, and I won some extra eyes on it. And um, she is one of the people that's just always ahead of me on the literature and always well-researched. Um, and I just thought she would be one of the best people to help me out with this research. Um, on, in addition, she's also agreed to help us out with several episodes uh, this season. So we're so happy to have her. Uh, say hello, Sabrina. Hello, everyone. Um, happy to be here. I uh, spent most of my science career studying how drugs and the environment can negatively affect our bodies. Um, really excited to have a discussion on this topic today um, since it means so much to me. Yeah, and, and thank you for, for being here. Um, are you having anything or can you recommend anything for uh, our conversation today? Uh, I am having some some regular Arizona tea. <laughs> hey, um, bourbon and tea. But if I could have had something to drink, uh, I'm missing my uh, favorite bourbon, Blade & Bow. It was uh, something that we got when uh, we went to Kentucky together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where is that? Like, uh, wh where's that bottle? Did you drink it all already? Oh, no. <laughs> I left it in Jersey. But... Oh. Yeah. That's unfortunately. I guess everything good is in Jersey. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just, you know. <laughs> uh, we both uh, met each other in Jersey, so we like to rip on Jersey every now and then. Well, thanks, Sabrina, for being here. And uh, yeah, Blade and Bow is an excellent bourbon. Um, uh, next, I'd like to introduce our second co-host. Uh, he is going to be helping out with asking these questions and helping the audience get through uh, some of this very technical information. His name is Spencer Baudet, and um, uh, he's going to be, uh, he's a graduate student um, working with the Global Health Impact, a group organization that I'm really, really excited to be um, working with this uh, spring, and, and I'd love to promote it. And know everything that they're doing about it um so i think spencer needs to tell us a little bit about himself and the ghi and maybe uh recommend something to drink yeah hi thanks so much for having me i'm really excited to be here yes yeah, so as you said i'm a graduate student at uh, binghamton university and i study political philosophy um and but one of the professors there professor nicole Tsung, is uh, head of the Global Health Impact Project, and I've started uh, working with her on that. And the GHI is really interesting as its end goal just wants the universal distribution of life-saving medicines and vaccines. So toward that end, 
they assign the score and rank to the impact of medicines and pharmaceutical companies. And that score can be used by um, public actors, um, policymakers, that sort of thing, to uh, work with the most impactful medicines. So if you or anyone else wants to learn more about it, you can visit their website, global-health-impact.org. Um, and I'm drinking today tea, although I much envy your, your Glenlivet. And I think if I had the option right now, I would be probably drinking craving a white wine actually just something nice and light would be very oh, nice spencer <laughs> yeah as, yeah as a punctuation to whiskey and 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 the other good stuff too yeah oh, white wine's my favorite <laughs> nice <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's funny because um, I'm gonna recommend something else here, and, and I'm probably gonna be drinking it a little bit later. Uh, Sierra Nevada is making something called uh, Little Something Wild, I believe, and it's a very light sour. And I remember I opened up the can because it's very similar in name to Little Hazy Thing, uh, which is a, a hazy IPA. Um, but I, I didn't read it. I just said, oh, little wild thing. Like, this is interesting. This is a new, like, version of, like, a hazy IPA. So I drank out of the can, and uh, I didn't pour it out. And I'm like, wow, this kind of just tastes like wine. So then I poured it out, and it's this, like, bright pink color. It's this really nice, like, uh, very light sour. And it actually tastes like a hopped rosé. It's really good. Uh, it's not like sweet. It's like a dry hopped rosé. It's beautiful. So, uh, yeah, I'm all about I'm all about kind of that something light and, and all that. It sounds very nice. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, you know, also, uh, sorry, I get excited about the drinking part, but uh, I would like to say, you know, thank you for all your work with the uh, GHI, and, and again, thanks for the GHI for allowing me to work with you guys and have you guys on occasionally. Um, so as you were kind of saying, uh, you know, we're going to have you be asking some questions and some of the questions that you've been um, wanting to know about is about COVID and kind of some of these things that we've been hearing as far as uh, problems with blood clotting and, and these uh, long-term effects and short-term effects. Uh, so let's try and answer some of those questions. I mean, uh, you know, in addition, I've been getting a lot of these questions um, related to like what's what's going on with blood clotting and COVID because that's, you know, been mentioned but really hasn't been described in the media. So that's what we're going to try and do today. Um, we also discussed this briefly at the uh, in the final episode of season one. Um, with with our uh, interview with Dr. Rehan. So, you know, and he was saying that um, blood clot is actually a way that uh, they can predict mortality in the hospital because uh, they're just so closely linked. And, and once you kind of get these blood clotting issues, you start this uh, down this slippery slope. Um, so, you know, some of the uh, symptoms that can come along with blood clotting is, you know, you, you're getting your blood flow is messed up, uh, then you start getting regulation of your blood flow and um, all these other things. Uh, some of the some of the actual real problems come with uh, that at the end result of this is obviously death. But even if you do survive, uh, it can be leading to this long hauler syndrome, which can last for a few months, uh, if not longer. Uh, you can also have amputation of limbs and stuff like that. So um, Sabrina and I kind of had to work together on this episode, and we've put in about over 100 hours of research and conversations and presentations to other group to get their opinion, because this turned out to be a much bigger ordeal than I I've ever could have set out to imagine. It's a very complicated subject. So um, we're going to try our best to keep everyone's interest and, and keep everyone um, uh, kind of hopefully at the end of the day, we, we can start to understand why it's such a big problem specifically with COVID, but also with a lot of other diseases, which is something we found out. Um, 
So let's kind of try and set the tone and give today's episode a little bit of context as far as COVID and and uh, uh, what type of, uh, you know, what the national environment is looking at as we're recording this. Uh, Sabrina, can you give us some sort of um, COVID stats and, and stuff like that? So, um, sure. Um, right now, the worldwide COVID cases are over 105 million. Um, global deaths are over 2.2 million. But when we focus on the United States, there are 26 million confirmed COVID cases, and we have surpassed 458,000 U.S. deaths. Um, so a little, a little scary, but hopefully with this new administration, we can uh, get some things back on track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is... Uh, for me, there is a little bit of light here because um, with my university and stuff like that, I am starting to get regular emails updating that like timelines and stuff like that, even though they're like, you know, we're not really sure when we get good vaccines, but they have like clear and laid out plans as far as what to expect. And right. that's something that I haven't really received at all um, previously. So it is very nice to start to see that. Yeah. Um, so, well, let's let's have uh, Spencer kind of give him the reins of this podcast. Um, so we're going to be, again, talking about blood clotting and COVID. So uh, what type of questions are you um, looking at having today? Yeah, right. Well, um, I guess to start, you had mentioned in your introduction some of the uh, effects of blood clotting could be something like um, amputation, uh, long haulers syndrome. And I think for me, the, the, the first thing I'd like to know is what's the connection between um, a blood clot and um, those symptoms? How, does, how, how is it that a blood clot causes these issues? Sure. Um, so it's my understanding um, that um, when there's a blood clot that occurs um, at your extremities, uh, we're focusing more on your feet. Um, the way your blood circulation works is when the oxygenated blood um, gets pumped down, the deoxygenated blood can be pumped back up so that it can be oxygenated again, correct? So mm. um, when you have these clots that occur at the, the uh, bottom of your feet, um, those can travel straight up and into your heart um, and they can cause this blockage. Um, additionally, you can have these clots that occur not just in your heart, which is um, the most dangerous um, or fatal, but you can also have these clots that occur in other places of your body. Um, they can be, they can stay at your feet um, and they can cause this swelling, um, which can cause um, an amputation of your foot. You can have that same issue um, somewhere, you know, in your, your, your knee area. That's where I usually hear about it a lot is um, right around the kneecap area. Um, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So if I can maybe just make a metaphor uh, for, for your description is, is, to me, I, the way I imagine your blood system is just, you know, a series of pipes uh, or a series of tubes, if you get that internet <laughs> reference. Um, but yeah, it's it's your main transportation system for oxygen and, and other nutrients, but specifically oxygen from your lungs. And when you have these clots, you're, you're, ha you're basically plugging up your plumbing. And um, essentially, you know, when you when you're plugging up your plumbing, you're not able to get oxygen to your extremities, such as your feet and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, the, the other issue uh, for me is, is that when, uh, when you're plugging up this plumbing, then you're not allowing oxygen to get to these 
cells in your fingers, your toes or wherever. And that's when you start getting these amputation of your limbs because that tissue starts dying. And then that start tissue will eventually start rotting and blah, blah, blah. And so once in that rot will eventually spread to your torso, which you can't really amputate your torso, right? So you, uh, unfortunately, you kind of need to be amputating some of these places that can't get oxygen. Um, you know, Sabrina was bringing up many more uh, other things as far as like the more critical things, which is, you know, how they lead to death and stuff like that. But that's a way I use a metaphor to explain how amputations are, are why, why amputations are done. That makes, uh, that makes complete sense. Blood flow is obviously, even I understand that blood flow is uh, very important. So if the clot's preventing blood flow, okay, so that makes sense. Um, when we talk about diseases and especially COVID, something that people bring up a lot are different age groups and um, whether or not these age groups can have uh, predispositions towards these kinds of problems. Is blood clotting something that um, anyone should worry about or is the particular age group vulnerable to it? Yeah. So, you know, I think we need to answer that question. We might need a little bit more uh, background on, on blood flow, really not just blood clotting, but blood flow now, which, you know, your blood, vis uh, what we say, blood viscosity, which is just how thick something is. Um, you kind of need uh, some sort of good consistency. Like, you know, you don't want something too watery because then you're gonna have leakage. Uh, you know, it, it's not like it's not like your veins and everything that flows um, blood is made out of metal, right? So, so if it's too liquidy, it will seep through your cells, and you, you'll have internal bleeding and other stuff like that. But then again, as we discussed, you know, if it's too thick, you, it's not going to be flowing fast enough and you're going to get clogs and stuff like that. So you do need something in the perfect middle. And the way that I kind of um, use this metaphor is like you kind of want half and half uh, as far as your consistency or your viscosity or your blood. You want something between like something really thick, like a cream. Uh, or heavy whipping cream, but you also don't want something really liquidy like, you know, non-fat milk or something like that. Now, when we're talking about blood clotting, the reason that this is important is that um, let's say that you have a carton of half and half or whatever, or you're flowing half and half through some pipes or whatever, and there's a puncture. Well, you don't want to be losing all of your blood. And so essentially what happens is your blood curdles, your blood clots. And so, you know, you can imagine half and half curdling or something like that. And that curdle will block that hole, um, preventing a lot of the half and half from, or your blood from escaping. So that's kind of what the purpose of blood clotting, because blood clotting is really, really important to have in your system. Uh, yeah. So I think, I also wanted to add that um, viscosity is very important. Um, and to keep in mind that blood clotting, you, you, you hear a lot of these terms get thrown around. So you hear blood clotting, you hear blood coagulation, you hear um, blood viscosity, blood thickness. Um, and I think we need to clarify that clotting and coagulation are the same thing. And viscosity is okay. different. Um, and I know I've heard from some people saying, well, I can probably just solve my blood clotting issues with blood thinners and no, you can't, that's going to affect blood viscosity, how thick or thin your blood is, but it will not affect how your blood coagulates or clots. Those are two different concepts. Yeah, it would be like trying to change the thickness of half and half or trying to prevent half and half from curdling by by changing the thickness of your half and half. <laughs> You're still going to have that curdling because it's that that property is still there. Um, also, if I could just put in two more terms here. Um, well, one of the diseases uh, that that you might hear in the media um, or terms is uh, it's difficult to pronounce coagulopathy, uh, which is essentially a, a disease with your clotting system uh, from COVID. So um, you can go ahead and continue. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, and to kind of, again, feed off of this whole, um, you know, <laughs> using half and half as an example, I like that a lot. Um, but the reason I, I am so passionate about this subject is because I personally have clotting issues. Um, if you just look at me, most people wouldn't, would never guess that. Um, I look healthy. I appear healthy. Um, but if I get any sort of clots in my feet, um, I have an increased chance of those clots getting into my heart as we were discussing. Um, and so I think I just want to make sure that our listeners are aware that it doesn't matter if you look healthy, it doesn't matter your age, as we just, Spencer mentioned this too, um, it doesn't matter your age. You, you still need to be cognizant and aware that you could have these problems. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, some, and so... I think I think we um, also uh, on top of that, um, this is all relating to circulation mm -hmm. and how your blood is circulating through your body. Um, so we brought up, uh, you know, clotting or coagulation, uh, blood viscosity. Well, the other thing that you have to think about too is your veins can constrict, and one of the things that alters vein constriction is actually caffeine. <laughs> uh, which will allow you to get more oxygen to your blood. But, you know, once that caffeine leaves your body, then your veins actually become very narrow, which is where you get, you know, kind of your withdrawals from caffeine. So, uh, and that's why you get headaches and blah, blah, blah. So um, there are like, also vein constriction is, is important. When, you know, so there's several, several different variables that are playing into the circulation of your blood and, distribution of all these nutrients and oxygens and all this besides just blood clotting. Right. Yeah. Even, um, yeah. even, uh, not just caffeine, but stress, which I, I know we're all under, <laughs> uh, yeah. stress yeah. Is, plays a very big role in your circulation. So it mediating your stress levels, not just to reduce your, um, your chances of getting COVID, um, just from that standpoint, but also mediating your stress or controlling, if possible, your stress so that it, again, doesn't mess with their circulation. And then again, it goes into your chances of getting COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like we're saying that the ability to form that clot, that curdle, that's what's important with these um, uh, needing to amputate limbs and et cetera, and things that can affect that ability to clot. Um, can be anything from caffeine to stress to, yeah. So that would affect everyone. Well, just, that, just to, that right? yeah. That, yeah, just to kind of clarify some terms there that, so you were saying uh, something that can affect the ability. Well, what we'll kind of find out is that um, COVID actually increases your ability. So, so the term that's been used in the research isn't really, uh, effect, it's more of um, augmentation, which means that it can either go up or down. We're not, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it can get really, really liquidy and actually people are suffering from internal bleeding, but also sometimes it can coagulate too much and people are getting, you know, uh, basically clogs in their pipes, uh, in their veins and stuff like that. So it's important to kind of denote that we're actually having like circulation augmentation too much, too little of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So really, it's it's trying to find that perfect equilibrium is is what work is is what we naturally do, but COVID itself disrupts that equilibrium, that balance, right. that perfect balance we need. Well, that's perfect into my next question because we've talked a lot about clots, what can affect them um, mechanically, what they are. But what's the connection then between clots and people dying of COVID? Yeah. So, you know, speaking of this balance, uh, there's 21 proteins involved in just the blood clotting system. And that's not even talking about, you know, blood flow, vein constriction, or your blood viscosity. So that's just your clotting system. Um, 
so any one of these 21 proteins, which is quite a, a lot of proteins, um, uh, any like mutations, like genetic mutations in this is going to affect the system. Now, the nice thing about having 21 proteins in there is let's say we disrupt one and we kind of like alter how well something works. Like you can think about this if you're, you know, you're looking at a complex car or something like that. Like, let's say that we have a kind of a leaky oil valve or something like that. It's not, it's, it's going to be, um, um, like, you know, it's going to put stress in the car, but it's not going to make your car completely break down. Now, um, essentially what happens though, is that when we have these systems under stress, under COVID conditions, when you're infected with COVID and COVID is actively like changing how these systems work, that's when any of these systems are going to be messed up. So, you know, if you have that going back to the car reference, if, if we mess up some sort of machinery in there and now we're actually putting all this stress on the, just the oil pumping system and you have a mutation and you have a problem with your oil pumping system, then that's going to be exacerbated is kind of one of the words that that issue is going to be exacerbated. And that's what's, that's, what's happening is, um, people without any blood clotting problems before, once they get COVID, uh, that problem is exacerbated and, and it's really seen it's causing death or long-term issues. So, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to also add, um, that due to, due to the effects of blood clotting, um, it's actually, quite a high number of how many deaths are attributed to it. Um, and for right now, I'm just talking about people in our age group. Um, so from about mm -hmm. 25 to 45, more than 56% of them were linked to blood clotting, um, which I thought was an insane, I was, I, I, in my head, I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe it'll be 30 or 40%. And then when I read 56, I just thought, wow, <laughs> okay. Um, but to make matters worse, when you include um, all age groups, it's actually almost 75% of people who had died from, uh, who were infected with COVID and had uh, blood clotting issues as well. Um, and then the people who had COVID but survived um, and had blood clotting issues, that was only 0.6% of people. So most of the deaths that are caused from COVID is related to blood clotting. Yeah. Somewhere around, you know, that 74% really, if, if we're doing the math kind of correct. Mm -hmm. That's really, um, yeah, kind of an impressive figure that someone who wouldn't have, just to parrot what you said, but someone who wouldn't have shown any of these blood clotting issues before because of how COVID affects them uh, can die of blood clotting issues. Mm -hmm. Is that, that's, yeah, well, um, what, uh, could we talk a little bit more about then how COVID affects blood clotting a little bit more in, in detail? What about it causes that? Yeah. So there's a, there's a few factors in here as far as like what COVID specifically does. Um, <clears throat> so the main way that that the COVID virus enters your cells is it binds to a protein called the ACE2 protein. And, you know, maybe someone has heard of the ACE2 protein or something like that. But um, the issue is that ACE2 itself is a main component in the blood clotting in the blood regulation system, the blood flow, and, and uh, it controls, you know, uh, blood flow rate and um, uh, vein constriction. So it, it plays a major part. And also it, um, it's in four in, involved, <clears throat> involved in four major regulatory pathways that, you know, also include the, uh, uh, the, um, inflammation in, in the immune system. So, you know, ACE2 just by, just by entering the cell with ACE2, um, via that way that, that it's kind of disrupting all of these systems. Um, yeah, so um, just to add on to that, um, ACE2 um, 
is also downregulated by your body during COVID um, in an attempt to try and fight back against the virus. Uh, the problem is that as a consequence, your blood flow is augmented or it's increased. Um, so there, there are, you, you can't really get rid of ACE2 because as Ryan said, it's, it's a part of all of these systems in your body. Um, but what your body can try and do in response to it being upregulated um, is to downregulate it or to, um, to make it less active in your body. But that can cause a problem with your blood flow. I was just going to say, so this, if I'm understanding it correctly, this sounds almost um, insidious in that the virus um, affects this main uh, ACE2, which is important for blood clotting regulation. And then as the body tries to react to COVID, it uh, relies on ACE2 in some way, uh, which has been affected by COVID. Is that, do I have kind of the, the causal circle right there? Yeah, I, I think you have it uh, pretty good. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah. That's... Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one of these problems where it's a feedback loop, right? right? right. It, it's, it's one of these things where your body recognizes that it's being infected with this virus. So it's like, well, it's, it's using ACE2 to get into my system. Let's turn off ACE2. But at the same time, COVID is also turning off your ACE2. And so it's this feedback loop where you just keep on losing ACE2. And, and so you're losing regulation. You're losing the ability to dial the knob. Um, so when we talk about balances in, and um, kind of equilibriums, you, you know, everything in your body is kind of designed to be working at 50% of, you know, whatever. Like, and the reason it's designed to be working at the, the midpoint of everything is so that you can dial that knob just ever so slightly and, and it will, it will work. It'll be very, very regulatory. Now, if you take that ability away from, you know, changing the knob slightly just to adjust things, to make things work better, turn things on or off just by slight adjustments. Now, by taking away that is too, it's, you're no longer adjusting it like gently you're just kind of doing these big turns right up and up. yeah so we were talking about ace 2 its importance for blood clotting systems and how COVID affects your body's uh, regulation of those systems with ace 2 um, but is this something that is going to be affected by COVID um, equally across populations does it vary um, according to age or something else Age isn't really a factor, um, but I'm, I'm happy that you asked. Um, it, you have been a very good active listener through this whole thing, and I thank you for that. Um, but there is a genetic factor in that. Um, Ryan, do you think you could provide some more information? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the main thing that uh, is really interesting is looking at how blood clotting can be treated. and um, there is, you know, we're, we're, we can't really give medical advice or anything like that because really you need to be consulting your doctor because, like I said, it depends on your genetics. So there's not really any general advice we can give, but there are um, some interesting drug studies where um, specific drugs would be used um, uh, on different people at, at different concentrations. Um, so, you know, ranging from 4,000, it's just a unit of drugs, like how much drugs we're giving you, uh, and specific to, you know, pharmacology is uh, 4,000 UI, um, all the way up to 8,000 UI, depending on the person. It's not really based on the person's body weight, but more of like just how the person responds to it. And, and you know, taking genetic tests of that person doesn't really tell us much. It's really about um, just, you know, using it until the person starts responding. Um, and what was interesting in that study as well is they were noticing that, um, people of Asian descent didn't need as much, uh, of, of this certain drug. Um, and what that, that comes from because Asian 
tend to have more ACE2 expressed. Uh, so they have less of these issues, but on the other side of it, it's easier for them to contract COVID. Um, so, you know, pros and cons with everything. Um, so, yeah, so it, it is very um, um, genetic specific. Um, and also we don't want to say that just because you're a part of the Asian group or not a part of the Asian group that, uh, you know, you're immune from any of this, you know, because any single individual inside of any group uh, can have, you know, just the same genetics as someone else from another ethnic group. It's just, you know, the likelihood, just like, you know, there's lactose intolerant people uh, across every single ethnic group and lactose intolerant people in everything. So it really depends on your genetics. And fortunately right now it's really uh, um, the way our, we're treating is just treating with, uh, you know, a few different types of things that we've seen to work but we got to wait until you respond. And sometimes people don't respond and that's, that's the issue. Right. Um, so can I ask uh, another question? Please. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's um, what you're here for. Yeah. Um, so we're, when we talk about blood clots, blood health, heart health, lung health, I often think of things that I can do to make my heart healthier but we were talking earlier about people getting COVID and they weren't showing any symptoms coming in, they'll develop these blood clotting issues. Um, is there anything preemptive I can do uh, to like up my ACE game? Or is that just like the lesson of COVID that it's you know serious and it, <laughs> it'll mess up your systems? Oh. Yeah, oh, so I mean, up your ACE. Your ACE2 game, if you will. Um, I'm not sure if that pun was intentional, but it, it made uh, Sabrina laugh and me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 very important on, on these types of shows that we don't make sweeping general um, sure. kind of recommendations. But, you know, obviously anything that can help out with uh, blood flow, such as exercise, might be able to increase things or, you know, at least, you know, it's not going to make you immune from any of this, but it might give you greater odds of uh, having a less severe um, um, kind of infection. Um, you know, and honestly, this also depends on how much actual virus you could, you, you're infected with at the beginning, because if you wear a mask, um, pretty much you're, you know, you're decreasing and you get infected still with a mask because you can still get infected with a mask, but the severity is very, very much decreased. And the same thing with the vaccine, like, you know, people there have been, you know, maybe 10, 20 people, uh, at least in the trial periods that got COVID with the vaccine, but uh, only one person was hospitalized out of thousands and thousands of people that were vaccinated. So, you know, and I don't really know of any major stories of anyone going to the hospital out of the 56 vaccinated people so far, uh, at least, you know, at, with the COVID infection. So, um, that's enough. That's like, there's so many different factors of it. Um, if you want to look at, you know, blood, blood flow and blood circulation, um, uh, you know, I, I'd say just, you know, try and be healthy, eat healthy, um, you know, maybe foods with some iron, uh, or, you know, exercise and stuff like that. But, but, you know, it's not going to be a magic bullet to save your life. The, this magic bullet is obviously not to get COVID or to minimize the amount of virus that you are infected with. Right, right. It's, it's um, either interesting or maybe a little disheartening that the more we learn, it seems like, yeah, just um, basic health safety precautions are still the best thing to do. Um, Wear a mask. Even after we've learned so much. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Wearing a mask, washing your hands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, um, all this, all this really, the, the biggest factor for, 
pretty much COVID severity is how much virus you're initially infected with. Mm-hmm. Minimizing that is your number one goal. Um, beyond that, there's little things you can do, like like I said, with the blood regulation or you know just being healthy in general and all that. But you know, um, we easily found a story of you know a guy you just you know I think look up COVID blood clotting and you know, some, some sort of news story, I forget exactly what we Googled, but it was a first story, uh, was a guy that was a marathon runner and, uh, he had, you know, blood clotting in his legs and lungs. And, um, and, and, you know, if any of these like blood clots had dislodged as Sabrina was saying in the very, very beginning here, you know, he, that would have been a fatal thing. And these blood clots were lasting for months. Um, after he was infected and essentially he's going back to the doctor and saying, you know, Hey, I'm exhausted. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on, blah, blah. And, um, that's kind of one of, one of his issues was with this long haulers syndrome, he was actually stealing have, uh, potentially fatal symptom, you know, symptoms of this blood clotting, you know, a month later. To elaborate on more of these stories, um, I have a personal one where one of my friends who just recently got out of the hospital, he actually had pneumonia twice. I, I don't <laughs> know how he did, but he did. Yeah. Um, oh. And that's what made his COVID case so bad. Um, he is a nutrition major, so he is like peak healthiness. Um, and he got COVID. Um, because of the collateral damage um, that that just kind of happened um, from having pneumonia twice, COVID kind of came in and then kicked his butt even more. Um, he he still has some lingering effects. He's he's exhausted, uh, similar to what uh, uh, Spencer and I think Ryan were mentioning with the long hauler syndrome. Um, he lost like twenty five pounds. Um, it was pretty bad. Um, so yeah, just, just please everyone <laughs> be as safe as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could just, uh, elaborate what you mean by collateral damage, uh, that's kind of a term that, that we've been throwing around because, you know, uh, as we've discussed previously on, on prior episodes is that, you know, the immune system, it's not really, I mean, as COVID is, as bad as COVID is and stuff like that, it infects your cells. But really, the main uh, thing that causes all this damage is actually your body's reaction to the virus, as we discussed today. Is you know, uh, the virus kind of forces your body to react by forming blood clottings and changing your blood stuff like that. Well, it also in another aspect, which we didn't go into depth today, is it is it overactivates your immune system and that immune system can attack your lungs and heart and different organs and permanently damage them. I've brought up uh, a few times the Ohio study that was saying that even people with uh, asymptomatic syndrome symptoms, uh, and these are, you know, college athletes, they're uh, having scar tissue on their heart or they're um, uh, having, you know, uh, myocarditis, uh, which is inflammation of the heart. And they're not really sure if that's going to be temporary or permanent. Um, So that's been, you know, I mean, it's not super common, uh, but it is common enough to be concerned about, even if you're asymptomatic. And like I said, this is all with asymptomatic people, people without any symptoms. So um, what I'd like to add is, um, though we are telling you to be healthy um, and wash your hands and wear your mask, um, that healthy bit, while you're you're walking around or taking a run outside, um, you still need to wear your mask. <laughs> so um, I know it, it can be very difficult to wear a mask while you're running, um, but the they have these mask brackets that you can purchase, um, and um, what they do is they they keep the mask further away from your nose and your face, but it still covers. Um, it still protects people, you from people and vice versa. Um, so it, it, it's not 
changing the dynamics of the mask whatsoever. It's just moving it out like maybe like an inch or so away from your face so that your nose can breathe a lot easier and your mouth can breathe if you breathe through your mouth while you're exercising. So I just wanted to add that little bit. Yeah, that's great. And and uh, you're talking about just not changing the filtration process, just the distance. Correct. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. That um, kind of, so one thing that I think is interesting uh, with like our general response to COVID is the kind of innovation in, uh, in the face of need. So I don't think, for instance, that uh, these mass brackets that you're describing, Sabrina, I don't think that, or at least I wasn't aware of them at all before uh, COVID. And it's very easy to think of them as something that came about as a result of just kind of the need for a more comfortable um, mask. And I remember earlier on when you had people wearing um, different kinds of masks that maybe we weren't sure uh, were, <laughs> that we thought were keeping stuff out, but they weren't, or they were letting stuff out. Um, so that just kind of drive home, drives home to me that this like communal experience with COVID is a learning process mm. and we should be open to learning <laughs> that, oh, okay, so as it turns out, that's not the best practice. <laughs> we sh should be doing this, or um, we can maintain uh, this practice of wearing a mask with this innovation to make it a little more comfortable. And as um, unfortunate as it may be to hear for some people, a comfort just matters to our daily decisions. <laughs> so, yes. So yeah. anything that can make it easier to decide to wear a mask is, is good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. well, I didn't know that people <laughs> didn't know about mass bracket. So I'm I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I had no idea. So yeah, that's, that's a really great point, Spencer. Um, and I think that's a perfect transition into, um, kind of our final segment here, which is, um, uh, one thing that I wasn't aware of is, um, how much blood clotting and, and other stuff, if we can kind of come full circle here, how much blood clotting uh, plays a role in actually medical treatments. Um, and, you know, some of the things that we're finding is that blood clotting is uh, very essential for, um, or not essential, but it's actually, you know, the one of the main things that needs to be treated for almost a lot of diseases, as as you can imagine, um, blood clotting is happening with cancer. Uh, you know, all in other infections. It's not just COVID. Now, COVID is doing it in a very unique way that we're not really able to treat as well. But what we're kind of seeing is that um, blood clotting itself is uh affecting like it is a major way that people are dying from from several different diseases um sabrina do you have comments about um kind of what to think about for mortality rate and in covid and and um kind of this blood clotting issue um so i think what i'd like to kind of end with is something that I have heard um, throughout this whole pandemic. And it's that a 3% mortality rate is, is a small number and we shouldn't be worried about COVID. Um, the problem is that that 3% mortality rate is based off of hundreds of million of people in the United States, which is about 10 million people. And so while that number sounds small for COVID patients, you could unknowingly, as healthy as you might appear to be, be a part of that statistic. Um, and so in order for us to, to do research and to get money um, to understand this a bit better, um, we need your help um, because the money we get to do research on this is based on public interest. Um, so that's why we're urging you, the listeners, to use your voice. We need to understand how to better regulate blood clotting, not just for COVID, but as Ryan mentioned, all of these other diseases that we deal with on a day-by-day -day basis. Um, so we're encouraging people to so show interest on either social media or a form of your choice 
um, to encourage research into blood clotting and how to treat it. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Sabrina. And also thank you, Spencer, very much for joining us. Um, like I said, I'm really excited to always be working with you and um, I can't wait to have you back and uh, you're going to be an expert here in a few weeks. So we're very excited to hear what you have to say. Um, be on the, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on the other side of the conversation. Yeah. 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 So it's always nice to switch places and, and learn from each other. And that's kind of what this podcast is. And so I'm really, really excited to, to be doing that. Um, and so I just want to thank you guys one more time. I want to thank our audience. Um, we are, uh, th this podcast, and, and we have a lot of really exciting episodes planned for you this season. Uh, we're probably, we have around eight different um, exciting research episodes, but they take a lot of time to research and produce. So we do need to also uh, have some fun fillers here, which we will. Uh, we're going to have some uh, kind of fun conversations throughout the season, uh, which I'm very excited for. But in addition, um, <clears throat> we want anyone really to contact us if you just want to have a conversation about something you're interested in. Uh, whether it's COVID or it could be, you know, something else. Um, we're going to have some beer brewing uh, conversations and other things. So if you have any interest that you just want to find something out and you want to be paired with an expert, uh, please send us an email at bourbonandteapodcast at gmail.com. Or um, the easier way as well is uh, to help out with the Facebook group and join the Facebook group, which is Bourbon and Tea Podcast Facebook group. And that will allow us to have conversations. And um, the more people that we can actually interact with, um, we're, we'll, we'll actually start having panels and we can have uh, Dr. Ishmael and, and Dr. Reham from season one um, back here. And we can all have different conversations and kind of give our opinions about um, different things and have some big panels. Um, so I'm very excited for season two, and I hope everyone uh, stays put and uh, uh, listens in. So, and uh, th again, this is very interactive. So I hope you, uh, you know, interact with us so we can know what you guys want want to learn because that's that's what we're here to. We're here to all learn. Thank you, everyone, and uh, have a good one. Cheers. <laughs>